Good morning, everyone. And Cole, if you could get those lights just so I could see people's faces. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. I find it very fitting. That on its, coming up on its 50th anniversary, you know, Roe v. Wade, that the Lord lets get leaked what the Supreme Court is thinking. I love that. I love that. I Forgive me, Lord, if I'm not supposed to love the chaos that it's creating, but I do That's a Mother's Day gift. Just the direction that the Lord is letting us know, hey, I'm in control. I I don't know, and I've I've shared this before, I don't know, I've heard other prophets say Roe v. Wade would be overturned. I think we've heard several say that. The Lord has not told me that personally. And, and not that he needs to, because I believe that. But he told me something a couple of years ago, far more important. And that is that an amendment would be ratified that would make life begin at conception. So whether Roe v. Wade was overturned or not, that would overturn everything. That would overturn everything to do with abortion I don't know the, the course in which God is going to take for this, but I believe it will be overturned. I believe it, and I believe it's the very thing that's going to send this country into a crossroads of choice. Something like we haven't seen until or since the Civil War. And it's going to produce even a civil war. Of whatever sort, I I can't tell you. I don't know. The Lord just said that civil war is coming. But guess what? The Lord wins. (laughs) Of that we could be sure. So, So this Mother's Day is a special, special Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day. And and happy... Happy great day to the rest of us who aren't mothers, right? And and just like the Lord, I, I'll, I'll share this this with you because you guys know the process. And the Lord hadn't given me anything in preparation, you know, for today, as He usually doesn't. But then uh, usually I'll I'll get to the worship part, and and you know the Lord will will speak, and He'll. He'll guide me in where he wants me to speak, and, and then, you know, I'm good. There are those occasions where he doesn't. This morning is one of those occasions. When I stepped up here, still, even now, not knowing what the Lord wants to speak. Except I'll share this with you. And this may not mean anything to you. It means something to me. But I had a, a bald eagle fly right in front of me this morning on the way here. It was so cool. And again, that may not mean anything, but historically, every time that has happened, he has something significant to say. So let's go to Lord in prayer and let's see what he has this morning. Father, we worship you and we praise you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, God, for what this Mother's Day represents. I thank you, God, even though it might have been done by the enemy, I thank you for the leak that came out of the Supreme Court because it is such a confirmation to your bride, your remnant, that have stood in faith for so long 
knowing that what you're doing is systematic, knowing that what you're doing is bringing a freedom to your children. This is such a significant piece to that freedom. Because the blood that is sacrificed and offered to the enemy gives him authority, gives him strength. gives him choice over this nation which is not his any longer. You have heard the cries of your children. And you have put into motion a plan. And you put this in years ago. A plan to overturn what the enemy has done. Because in truth, it was the enemy that overturned what you had planned in the first place. So, Father, this morning I give you my mouth, I give you my will, I give you my hands, my feet. I ask that you speak according to your will, that you speak through me what you desire to have declared. I thank you for each person here this morning and each of those online all over the world and especially in Nigeria. Lord, I ask that you bring today a special blessing. A special blessing to your remnant all over the world whose hearts are sold out for you, whose hearts are hungry for you, trust you, Lord, and I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, I I mentioned it a couple times, but what the Lord has me kind of, not studying so much, I mean, yes, studying, but what he has me organizing, we'll we'll put it that way, it is literally the, the history of what has brought us up to this point as the bride and where it goes from here. What it looks like. There are so many people that think we're entering the tribulation. And, and we are not. I've told you we're not. But it looks a lot like it, doesn't it? There are reasons for that. And, and so he has me putting this timeline together. And I know it will be a series coming up. I, I just don't know when it will be done. It will be done when the Lord says it's done. But in diving into that this past week, I've spent so much time looking at what the enemy is doing and really what they think is going on. And it's extraordinary to me. Uh, Normally, I'm not a person who goes and, and looks at different things that, you know, the world says or whatever, because in, in reality, I, I, I care less. But in this case, to understand the mind frame of the enemy is important. And I'm not talking about human enemy. I'm talking about the wiles of the devil. Right? That Ephesians chapter 6 says we're to put our armor on for. Literally, the strategy of the enemy, the strategy of the devil to bring about his will. We're to understand that. We're to know that. So in searching some of these things, and, and a lot of the things, you know, I, I had known but, but dove into them a little bit deeper. And what is just extraordinary to me is the mind frame of the enemy thinking that this is their time. They really, really do. I, I mean, I, I've looked at things that... Witches have said, comments that they have said, uh, interviews that they have done, and talking about where they think we are in the scope of history. And then, of course, we were before the Lord, and, and He confirmed this, saying that they think this is their time. And what is blowing their mind is how it's a lot harder than they thought. 
See, just like Israel was waiting for its Messiah 2,000 years ago, one day they'll realize he came. But as they were waiting for him, so is the enemy. The enemy is waiting for its Messiah, its leader, that will be filled with this power that will show what they think is true. We call him the Antichrist. Right? The Bible calls him the Antichrist. Not just a Antichrist spirit, because there has been a Antichrist spirit at work since Jesus died on the cross and rose again. It was proclaimed 2,000 years ago in the Word of God. But there is going to be the Antichrist that comes. The Bible calls him the man of lawlessness. And what's extraordinary to me is, like, they are waiting for him. They are expecting him to step forward any moment. And, and it, it, the reason that's extraordinary to me is because the Lord speaks through his prophets and we know the truth. We know the truth of even what that means. We know the truth of what's coming down. We know the truth of how God is working in His bride to bring His bride to a place of readiness, of, of literally operationally leading this world, this globe. That's the time in which we find ourselves. But when you start to study the different things that they're doing, and, and by the way, i got to tell you, they are as mixed up as the bride. And I don't say that flip, because the bride is so mixed up. The bride as a whole. You've got all these denominations that think they know what's right, that can't get along with any other denomination. And, and by the way, I'm talking about the ones who know Jesus Christ as Savior. I mean, the ones who don't know Him as Savior, they're not part of the bride anyways. But the ones who know Him as Savior, they're children that don't get along. They're children that, well, no, I, I have the right answer, or this and that. Instead of looking to God to give that, they look through their intellect to prove their side of it. The enemy does the same thing. Now, all in all, to Satan it doesn't matter because anything not God is Satan's. Right? Jesus said that. If, if you're not for me, you're against me. Right? So to Satan, if you worship Satan or you worship Buddha... I really don't think he cares, as long as you're not worshiping God. The enemy is fractured as much as the bride is. And I think this frustrates them. You see it as you dive into certain things in the internet, because now, and, and we talked about this, was it last week? That I can't remember. Last week or the, uh, the week before when I talked about the hierarchy being cut off? Was that last week? Okay, two weeks. Thank you. You all are awake. But with the hierarchy cut off of the spirit on their side, it brings confusion to their camp. That's a perfect time to introduce something like a leaked Supreme Court decision, or, or opinion, I should say, not a decision, opinion. Because it brings more confusion. It brings more rage. Right? What is the best thing, if, if, forgive me for saying it like this, if you're in a fight, what's the best thing you can do to your enemy? You make him angry. You get him or her so angry that they don't know what they're doing. They're just in this blind rage. I think that's what God's doing. Because that's what this opinion has done. It has sent them and is sending them into this blind rage where they don't even know what's going on. 
All they know is they hate it. All they know is they want to speak against it. They want to fight it. They don't even want to dive into truth or talk about it or anything else. And they're the tolerant ones, supposedly. Right? So what God is doing, we have to recognize He is going against an enemy that is fractured, that is scattered, but yet an enemy that thinks that it's time for them. You know, I was researching this this week. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago about a place called CERN, C-E-R-N, over in Switzerland, right? They, they have a, um, what's it called again? A hadron? Yeah, hadron, a hadron collider. What this is, let me explain what this is because this is important. A hadron collider is, and there are several in the world, but this is the biggest one in Switzerland. It's an underground thing that takes protons, okay, and I don't want to lose you here for a second, but when you collide protons together, what does that do? It produces energy. In fact, it produces insane energy. And the reason they're doing it is they started it because they believe that is what started the Big Bang, you know, and the whole evolution thing and, and whatever. That's what they're looking for from a scientific standpoint. But the reality is if you go on their site, if you do any research and discern, and, and you look back about seven years ago to a blood sacrifice that was done there, which I talked about two weeks ago. You can go back and listen to it. You understand the real reason behind this. If you go on their website, what they're looking for is other dimensions. They're looking to access other dimensions. They're looking to access literally the dimensions that they believe have the power of what they think was the Big Bang. Right? They're searching out things called dark matter. Dark matter is something that consists of 85% of the universe is dark matter. If you look up in the stars, right, all the black that you see at night, that's what they call dark matter because it's, it's empty. It's technically from a three-dimensional form is non-existent, but yet they know something's there, Right? Well, we know something's there, but so does the enemy. The enemy knows that there are dimensions that have access to the spirit realm that they believe will give them this power to take over on a global scale. And they think this is happening now. In fact, three years ago, a little over three years ago, they shut down that collider to literally work on it to make it stronger. This is the biggest collider in the world. It's 27 kilometers long. And what it is, it's a big circle. And they get two protein or proton streams going opposite of each other. And they just start them moving, and it starts getting faster and faster and faster and faster until they start to crash into each other, and that's what produces this information where they believe they will learn about this dark matter and another thing called dark energy. Now, why is this important? Because what they believe on a spiritual scale is that this will help bring on their Messiah. This will help bring on their plan to move forward in what's going on. And, and by the way, you can research all that. You can look at all that. Don't do it for the purpose of being nervous about it, about being scared about it. Because God has had his plan in the works for much longer. And God has already known what is coming and what they would try to do. I guess the point in which I'm trying to make here is... It is time for the bride to not just step up in what you do, in your prayer, in your influence, but step up with your voice. 
Start speaking out. Saying what is right, what is wrong. Don't be afraid of the bullying that goes by what they're doing. What the enemy is doing. Don't be afraid to engage in a conversation about these things. Holding only your conversation to those who you know will agree with you. Now, I'm not saying to go out and pick a fight either. (laughs) That's not the point. But God is calling His bride to speak up. God is calling His bride to not be afraid. And to share what you know in relationship with Jesus Christ of what He is doing, of His love. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, love conquers everything. That includes a fight like this. You know, first and foremost, recognize you're not fighting against these people. Be discerning. You're fighting against a spirit that is behind these people. That spirit that needs to be crushed. How is that spirit crushed? It's not crushed by us just standing back and doing nothing. And it starts in the pulpit. I've been saying that for years. But man, it doesn't stop there. You guys have as much responsibility as I do to be speaking this out, to be sharing the love of Christ and the love of what He is doing. Do you, do you know this, this leaked thing on abortion? That's love, guys. That's love for babies that have been torn apart in the womb. I mean, I can only imagine. I, I wonder if, you know, we, we read in Revelation about the martyrs that are given white robes. I I wonder if these babies will be considered martyrs, you know, or or if they will be in a category by themselves. I, I have a feeling that they'll be in a category by themselves because they never even had a choice. The very most precious thing that God gave each one of us, whether you, you might think so or not, is choice. And that was the very thing that was robbed of them because of somebody else's choice. So when we share these truths, we share it in love, we share it recognizing that there's an enemy that we fight. And it's not necessarily the person in front of us, but it's the spirit behind them. And the Bible teaches us how we're going to conquer the Bible teaches us how we're going to be victory. In fact, let's, let's turn to Revelation chapter 12. I believe it is. Go to Revelation. Yeah. Revelation 12. And this is where it talks about conquering Satan. Let me, let's start. Um, I, I was in this this week. This, this is such an interesting, interesting study. I, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but... We're going to start at verse 7, and, and, and I, I'm not going to get derailed by the timing of this, but just, just know this has not happened yet. Okay, Satan is not cast out of heaven yet. I mean, he may not be able to walk the streets and have a coffee, but he has access to the courts. He is still accusing you day and night in the courts. He has access to heaven still. But let's, let's start at verse 7. Now war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, the dragon being, being Satan or Lucifer. And the dragon is, and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. By the way, let me, let me stop there a second. Verses 7 and 8 are significant. Because that war has been going on. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. About the the court of nations and what has been cast down. That hierarchy that has already been cast down. The head that has been cut off the enemy. And and I I know I'm I'm not going to go back over that again. But I encourage you, go back two weeks ago and, and look at that. 
Because these two verses is talking about what has been going on for the last year and a half. But he was, verse 8, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. This is, I, I know many theologians think this is what happened prior to even Adam being created. That's not what this is. Because Satan, it goes on to talk about, is our accuser, and he still accuses. In fact, he had no accusation before Adam fell. He only had presumption. And that's what he tempts us with, is presumption. He presumed that Adam, having a choice, would choose sin. And his presumption was correct. Adam did choose that. Eve was deceived, but Adam chose it. From that point, he had an authority to go before the court of heaven and say, I have a right to go against this. I have a right to go against your children that you created because they chose me. And... Legally, he was correct. Because Adam did give that authority to Satan. So until this day, Satan has still been, him and his, his representative team, whatever you want to call that, in these spirits, they still present in court accusations against each one of us. But not just each one of us individually. They present evidence against nations. Evidence against movements. They are vastly working hard to make things in heaven turn against us legally so they can do it here on earth. They cannot do anything on earth that they have not been given authority to do in heaven. Because if they do, then it's theft. Which, by the way, he does. But when he's found out, what happens? He owes sevenfold. The Lord has said he already owes far more than he could ever repay. So, again, Satan is there right now. Understand that. He is not cast out of heaven yet. This is something that is coming and is happening. But I want to go... To verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> that just reminded me of something. See if this sounds familiar. If you go back a chapter to the seventh trumpet in chapter 11, uh, verse 15, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Doesn't that sound like what was just read in verse 10, back in chapter 12, verse 10? And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. In other words, the authority of Jesus Christ for the accuser, that is all come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. All this is coming. Satan being bound is coming. And I'm not talking about Satan being cast to the abyss. I am talking about a cleansing of this land, of the earth. Of this globe where humans dwell, where Adam gave away the right to all of this land. God is systematically going to take it back. 
He is doing that. He already began by cutting off the head and the leadership of the enemy. Which again, we talked about two weeks ago. But how was it done? And this is what I wanted to get to. Verse 11. And they have conquered him. First of all, who's they? They is humans. They is his bride. They is his remnant. They is us. Okay? And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. By three things. First, the blood of the Lamb. It was by his blood that they were given authority. By his blood and receiving him into their heart that they could claim his blood over them. That's what gave entrance into God's family in the first place was by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what gave the authority. And number two, by the word of their testimony. In other words, they were active. This is future tense. This is not something that happened. This is God saying, I need you, bride, to open your mouth. I need you. I put you in places to have influence. So have influence. God gives you a voice. He puts you with people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your families. Don't be afraid at the workplace. Don't be afraid to say the things because they say, well, you're not allowed to talk about that here because that's your job. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you're given authority from heaven to do it. It's that very thing that is going to win this. By the power of Jesus Christ working through His bride, individually, each and every one of you. Each one. Not just me and maybe the court team. Oh, we're going to really pray for them because, you know, they're going to open their mouths and they're going to let the world know. No. No, God has put you in a place, every single one of you, every single one of us. And He's giving us a voice. He's not just giving me a voice, guys. He's giving you a voice. He's giving you a voice to use it. That's the word of your testimony. That's how you become a conqueror. That's how Satan will be bound. To where he cannot have anything to say in this world here right now. He will again later because he'll be released after the rapture. I'm not going to get into that today, but that is coming. That's what the Lord's having me to put together to present. But this is not his time. This is the bride's time. This is our time. But it's got to be something that you seize. If you don't think you have a peace in this, you need to wake up. You need to open your eyes and recognize that you have a peace. Let me, let me ask, by raise of hands, how many in here don't know anybody? Exactly. Let me ask this, how many in the last week did not meet even a single stranger? Exactly. And I don't mean, and this is strange, people. <laughs> God puts us in front of people to have that voice. By the word of our testimony, it is done. Because it's covered by Jesus Christ. When we lit our, our whole job, guys, is literally to empty ourselves and let Him speak through us. Not empty ourselves and go sit in a corner and, man, can't wait till you kind of do everything, God. If we're His hands and feet, guess what fights? His hands and His feet. He uses us for this. We're to open our mouths. 
The enemy thinks that this is their time. Oh my goodness, it drives me insane. How many have heard of this grand reset? Three people? Seriously? Four people? Five? Six? Maybe if I ask again, it'll be more. (laughs) This grand reset, this drives me nuts. The World Economic Forum, which is a godless society. By by the way, Klaus Schwab, he's not uh, related to Charles Schwab, is he? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just heard that and I assumed that, but they, they don't look alike at all. So, and, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. But this whole grand reset, they had this plan. And this plan has been going on for decades. And the plan was supposed to be done by 2022. And then God just got in there and, yeah, let me just screw this up for them a little bit. Let me put Donald Trump in there. Kind of mess things up. And he did. Donald Trump's great at messing things up. He messed up their whole plan. But you know what? It woke up the bride. It started to wake up the bride to see, okay, maybe there's hope. Maybe this thing about you using us as your hands and feet, maybe that's a real thing. Maybe, maybe if we just let you do in our lives whatever you want, you might actually use me for something. This grand reset has been postponed. Now they're pushing it for 2030. I think that's hilarious. I I think they're off by quite a bit. But that's okay. Because what the Lord told me is they don't know what a reset is. But I'm going to show them. Think about God's idea of a reset. A world that was destined for hell. That even those who believe in a coming Messiah could not go to heaven. They had to be held in Abraham's bosom because... It hadn't been paid yet. In God's grand reset, He sends His only Son. He sends His only Son to live a perfect life, born of a virgin, offer up that perfect life as a sacrifice for our sin. Satan thinking that he had a victory, only to realize By killing Jesus, he just made the biggest mistake that he could make. If he were smart, if he would have known, he would have been up there, I have no accusation, he should live forever on this earth. (laughs) Because Jesus came to die. He came to offer his life as a sacrifice for us. That was a reset. That was a grand reset that turned everything around. You know, how about the children of Israel? 400 years in slavery. 400 years. And then God sends Moses. says, let my people go. And if you take out the 40 years for disobedience and lack of faith, take that out and look at the reset that happened in just a few weeks. From slavery to nationhood. That's a reset. That's a grand reset. What reset do you think is coming for the bride? Because God laughs at the reset that these globalists, Luciferians, whoever thinks that is coming. Oh, there is a reset coming. It's been in the works for a while. It's been in God's plan for a while. Just like if you go back and look at the Old Testament now, you can see how God foreshadowed the coming of Christ, that it would be His death, burial, and resurrection 
that would be the salvation of the world. But yet, in the Old Testament, they couldn't see that. Satan certainly couldn't. If he could, he wouldn't have tried to kill him. Just know what God is doing. This reset that is coming is upon us. This isn't a future thing anymore. As I'm growing up and, and actually remember when Roe v. Wade first was instilled. I, I remember when prayer was taken out of schools. I remember at the time I was just a little kid, but I remember thinking, man, it just feels like everything's going bad. But I got to tell you, nothing compared to about the last, I don't know, 10 years. And especially the last three years, two years. I mean, it is ramped up. It's ramped up because Satan has nothing more in his arsenal. Nothing more. He has no, no deception that he can hide under on a global scale. He can't hide in the midst, in the midst of things. He has to be shown. That's why you see him coming out time and time again with, with things that are so obvious. I mean, it seems like one out of every three shows or movies on TV has something to do with witchcraft. And in a blatant way. I mean, it's really insane. That ought to excite you, though. Because the reset they think is coming, just like what happened with the children of Israel, is going to be a reset for God and a reset for His children. But you have to have a voice in this. You are part of this. And there's one last part to that. Let's read. And for they love not their lives, even unto death. Oh, man. In a lot of cases, it's just easier to leave that part out. But I've seen this as truth in my own life. I've seen this in tr as truth in the lives of those around me. If you care more for your life and what you're doing, you will be no good to the kingdom of God. You're, you're better off staying off the battlefield. Except that that's where the lukewarm are. And that's probably not the safest place to be. You see, God, He needs you to trust Him. He's given you a voice. He's given you a testimony. He's given you the people that He puts in front of you. He even opens up conversation. They can't help it. Everybody has an opinion today. Everybody. And, and they're, it's almost like they're vomiting out their opinion. Because they have to. Why? Because they're searching. They're searching. The people who don't know any better are wanting to know truth. And God's putting you in these places to speak truth. And speak it in love. Because love conquers. Love destroys the enemy. The enemy can't deal with it. When you, when you come up and you're dealing with a person who, who through your discernment has a spirit behind, behind them that is biting and fighting at you. When you come at them with truth and in love, it confuses the heck out of that spirit. They don't know what to do with it. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 teaches. But you can't do this effectively if you care about your life. You can't do this effectively if you care more about your career than you do about your position in Christ. And what His plan is for your life. He needs those people. He's calling on those people even now. 
that will not care about their lives even unto death. No matter what you do, Lord, I'm with you. Just to say, do your will, no matter what. Let me play the role you have for me, whether I think it's what I want or not. Because I trust you, Lord. And I know that I am part of this fight. And I want to be one of these who conquers that voice in heaven that in the courts that keeps coming against the children of God. Don't think this is a metaphor, guys. This is not a metaphor. This is not, you know, hey, we're just hoping that maybe we'll have these feelings and, and one day God's going to throw them out. That's not what's going on. We know God is a legal God. Things are always handled in His court. Again, go back to two weeks ago if you want to understand what part of that means. This fight is with the bride. It is with you. Filled with the power of Jesus Christ. Him speaking through you. They're your words, but they are His words. Not caring about what the outcome is in your life. Not caring about losing that family member. Not caring about losing anything. Whether it be a job or anything. you got to know that when God is behind it, He has your best in mind. He loves your family. He loves those at your workplace. He loves them too. That's why He's sending you. And and it doesn't mean you have to be offensive. But you have to let God speak what He wants through you. He might choose to be offensive. Or He might not. And even if He is, He will always lace it in love. It's, It's like being a parent. The difficult part of being a parent is discipline. Right? That's why, you know, in, in some marriages you have the, the good parent and the bad parent. Bad parents usually the one that's having to do all the discipline. I mean, in, in our family it's both. So the girls couldn't come to one and get up on the other. So, But that discipline is love. God loves this world. He loves the people at your workplace. He loves the people in your family. He loves the people that you meet on the street. He loves them. And so it's through that love that He will fill your mouth. But don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of what it will do to you. Don't be afraid even unto death. Because that's the criteria of Satan being defeated. I want him out of heaven. I want him out of the courts. He has no right to be there except what Adam gave him some 57, 5,800 years ago. He has dragged it on long enough. And that's the position that the bride needs to take. Know that you have a place in this. If you didn't have a place in it, you wouldn't have been born at this time. If you are alive at this time, and I assume you are because you're all walking and breathing, then there's a purpose for it. And he has laid out the purpose right here. It is to cleanse this world of this influence. And it's done through your mouths. Let's come on up. Think I got this? There we go. 
I didn't realize the bottom wasn't turned on. There's a lot of motivation and passion that um, I know Greg and I felt years and years ago that we didn't even know really where to channel it because we we were just filled with a lot of desire to do do things for the kingdom. We've been in ministry for many, many years, and there was such a passion. And when the Lord really unlocked some things in our life to draw close to him in relationship, there was a preparedness time. There was a readiness time, and that's what started Ignition and calling us into understanding what actual relationship is, not just living a good Christian life and doing ministry, but actual relationship, relational conversation relationship that, um, that is through his word but is guided by the Holy Spirit so we can hear what he's, what he's saying and directing us personally. And I remember the times through ministry, how, how easily that passion could be ignited and we would be on fire to address a need. And as I reflect back, I, I look back at the times that, you know, we were super motivated to deal with a situation or help a group of people or deal with something. And one thing that, that I've learned and that we've learned is, you know, unless those, those passions, those motivations to want to change things and make these wrongs right, unless they're led of the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit then you can look at endless needs and not one of them produce any fruits because it has to be directed by the Lord. The Holy Spirit has to, be, has to breathe on what he guides you to do. And so in this charge this morning that is so important, it's so amazing that the Holy Spirit, um, how he spoke the, almost the same thing in the ladies' class, and Greg and I had never discussed what the Lord's doing, and, and like because of like this morning, he didn't know what the Lord was going to have him say. Um, so it's funny how the Holy Spirit clearly wanted this reiterated. But when we get this passion and this fire, get with the Lord in what it is that he's guiding you to do. I could never have imagined in a million years, being in women's ministry, being in, in you know, large ministries, leading uh, large situations, I could never have imagined, nor did I even have an interest at the time, of sending, you know, going over to Nigeria and, and loving on a group of people and doing the work that was started there. But see, God knows exactly where he's called you. And so part of this, you know, we got to step up and we got to speak up, has got to be led of him. It's got to be led of him. And he will do more through your life when you allow him to lead you than even that compelling within you to... I got to deal with this, man. This, this is wrong. I, I want to, you know, I got to, I got to go and I, I should, I should make a bunch of signs and march in D.C. against abortion. If God is leading you, if that is a Holy Spirit assignment, then there will be great fruit from it. But if it's just a compelling to right or wrong, but that's not the thing God's breathing you to take on, then there won't be. Even though in and of itself, it's a very good thing. So it's really important to know where God is sending you. I would never have known that God could use me in Nigeria. So, and yet, what I've learned from it, what I've learned about my relationship with the Lord, and just so many things. See, God wants to teach us his ways, like he did with Moses. He wants to teach us his ways, not just show us these acts and then let us loose to try to, you know, put out any fires that we can and so really understand, because I even want to say what Greg said at the beginning about researching certain things. The Holy Spirit led him to research these things. Never go off on a curiosity campaign with the works of darkness. That is a dangerous place to go. If it's just your curiosity, Satan can use that. Because he sees in the spirit realm, nothing is hidden. So he knows, and he'll know how to capture your heart in what you think is going down a path of, of you know, Helping to fight the kingdom of darkness. So it's got to be led. And that's where personal relationship comes in. Learning his voice. Knowing, God, what are you calling me to do? Where are you asking me to go? During the last song in worship, I almost came up and shared it. But I, I just, the Lord didn't have me do it. It was so wild. I started praying in the spirit. And suddenly, it was, it was just the... the 
the spirit realm was un, was unlocked to my eyes, and there were just angels everywhere. And what's what's so interesting is you know these lighters with the long thing that you light for candles and stuff. These long lighters, they had these lighters in their hand, and they were there was so many of them. We were in circles, but then there were so many, and they were going to each person, and they were lighting fires within each person, and. He didn't show me who and specifics of people, but there were some that were a strong flame. Others, everybody was ignited. So I was like, I was, as I was praying and I was, I was looking and watching this, and it was kind of. And the thing that was funny that I, I had to smile. I was overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord at the time, but it was like they were giddy. It was a, it was a, it was a delight in the angels and, and igniting fire in each of us. But what I noticed from afar is that some of the flames got really strong, and others, it got smaller. And, and so the Lord was showing me, everyone has a choice to allow my flame to explode. But what was interesting, and it, it's not because of a heart posture being different. It was more for the purpose of his assignment this morning. But I had just prayed and anointed Greg um, and prayed the fire of the Holy Spirit to come upon him to give whatever he, the Lord had for him. And um, have you ever seen those scenes where they, they have a car crash and they show the guy walking out of the car totally engulfed in flames? Like these guys that, you know, they, they, wear the, they wear the flame suit so they don't get burned. It's a very dangerous thing. But they're just head to toe, just a raging fire. And all of a sudden, that's what the Lord showed me with Greg. And it, it was that he had put his presence on. Not that Greg's passion is any more than some of the other hearts in this room. It wasn't about that at all. It was that his assignment was going to be that I will pour all of my flame unto him to equip him. And it must have been clearly, because I didn't know this, but it must have been because he hadn't released the word ahead of time. And Greg's been really tested in his faith in that, to just trust him. It's straight in the scripture. Trust me to open your mouths because they won't be your words, they'll be mine. I was just in that passage. But that was a really, really cool vision. And, and the Lord is wanting to ignite within us a boldness to speak. But it does have to be led of the Lord. Because we have to be so in sync with his heart that we know how to discern when an anger is rising in us. That is it our flesh or is it a righteous anger? Because not all anger is not, is it not of God. There's, a, there's an anger that is of God. And we need to know when the Lord wants us to release those bold words or just speak up in a situation that's, that's wrong. Um, and it can be a soft speaking up and it can be a bold, this is wrong speaking up. But, um, but, but make sure that it's led of the Lord. And the last thing I want to say before we pray is, you know, the enemy doesn't know everything, of course. Doesn't automatically know the future. But he is, he's, he is a strategist. And that is why Ephesians 6, or really the whole chapter of Ephesians 6, but certainly 11 and 12, we're to, be, we're to not be ignorant of his devices, right? And it's interesting that he will, he will have preemptive strikes against things that he knows that the Holy Spirit of God is wanting to rise in his people. And so in this time, because we're not the only ones, there are remnant pockets who are having the same message of, hey, speak up, be loud, use your voice to, um, to just speak truth. Because in this, in this atmosphere, truth is what is the greatest threat. And it's, it's especially with a Holy Spirit-filled believer, when you're speaking truth, you're speaking Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, John 8.32. So their preemptive strike is this, uh, we talked about despotisms. It's one of the words in the Amplified Version of, of Ephesians 6.12. And it's, it's uh, an exercising of a very oppressive power authority in the, the kingdom of darkness. And what he's trying to do is stop truth from being spoken. And it's what I had mentioned at the close of the service a couple of weeks ago, or either last week or last the week before, about this ministry of truth, which is such a blasphemous name for it. This group that's being organized by government backing authority and even um, uh, the ammunition. Like, I mean, like actual uh, uh, a law enforcement agency, if you will, to come against what they deem to be not truthful speech. And I thought, wow, that was a preemptive strike to begin to organize that and to strategize that. We can pray against that. We can speak against that. But they're setting the stage for what God has already revealed is coming, which is persecution for the church. 
But you know, there's nothing that purifies the church more than persecution. Sometimes in the face of darkness, evil, or a threat, things become very clear. Very clear. The nonsense and fillers and go-tos and my plan B, C, D, and E so that I feel good about my life are just no longer able to be relied upon. And it's just like the word that was released through um, Bryn the same day that the Lord had spoken through me in a service, which is that I'm taking my church into a great time of testing, of total reliance on me. See, in our hearts, we want to rely on the Lord. But the Lord knows that he has to work in us to have our actual actions back up our faith. Because faith without the works is dead. It's only an intention. And I don't know about you, but an intention in a marriage certainly doesn't work. Well, Greg intended to love me, but I'm not experiencing that love. You know, like, if I don't experience that love, that good intention doesn't do me any good, right? Even if, well, but it's there. It's in there, man. It's in there. I know you never see it because I never really love you, but I mean, you know, but I, I, I do mean it somewhere deep down. God needs us to prove to ourselves even what our heart intention is. And so this refinement, which we all sing about and pray about, is upon us. We are finding that we're, we're feeling it in the atmosphere, this spirit of intimidation that makes you feel like, whoa, if I'm in a line at a store for the checkout and I say one thing against something absurd, like, um, I'm a woman, <laughs> you know, like something crazy, you, you, feel like, you feel like there's going to be some outburst of, of just, you know, defensiveness or a shout down or something like that. And, and it's weird because we're not always conscious of it, but there's this, this kind of a, almost like let's, let's, let's mask up and let's lock down and let's just stay in our lane, not interact with people. That's, you know, the enemy has gotten us so intimidated that we, we're never going to speak up in even the smallest ways, like even using the right pronoun over ourselves, over God's creation of us. So we've got, those are the things we have to break through. And we can start small, start small by just, by just literally speaking in the softest ways against these things that are becoming norms, and the only way they're becoming norms is because we've not stood up against them. They would have no opportunity to become normal if God's people would stand up and say, no, that is crazy. You can tell me all day long that you are a unicorn, but no matter what you self-identify as, I am not joining your delusion, because I know the truth. Those are the things that God wants us to stand in. And, and so start there, but begin to ask God, because he has a high calling for you. you. It's not an accident that you're living in this time, but it's also not an accident that you're here right now hearing this message. And everyone that is hearing the messages led by the Holy Spirit across the world, it is intentional. Holy Spirit led you to this moment, and he has a calling on your life. So ask God what it is. And it may be that he will take you into a training time. Like I said at the beginning, Greg and I had passions to do all these things. And the Lord said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I put that passion in you, but now I'm going to pull you back. And I'm going to sequester you to train you. So sometimes our callings don't always look in its timing what we think. Because he wants to equip you. He wants to prepare you. He's not going to send you out to be a loser in a situation or to be defeated. We are always armed for victory. But he knows our readiness. So we've got to seek him. Don't think that if you don't get actively used in some, you know, good works event right now, that you're not being used. Because if you're pressing into him and you're speaking truth whenever it's in front of you, you are being used of him. And what the fruit of your life looks like is on him. Because everything, the fruit of our lives is is really the outpouring of what he does. But it starts with our internal relationship with him and hearing his voice. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for releasing this word, God. This is such an important Revelation 12, verse 11, God, that we do, we do because of your precious gift to us. We overcome the, the forces of evil and darkness and the agenda of the enemy against us. We overcome by the blood of your precious son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. And we overcome when by your power we are not intimidated with a spirit of fear, but we speak and we testify your goodness and who we are in you. Thank you, God, for giving us that testimony. But God, I pray for the 
third part of that verse. God, that we would not walk in, in a consciousness of self-preservation first, but that we would have a, a, a mantra and a, a laid-down, surrendered heart posture that we love not our lives even unto death. That we would literally just place our lives in your hands and not seek to preserve it, which will every time allow the bully to intimidate us. God, let us understand that the cost is worth it. And many of us have already paid a dear price in various ways. Relationships that are not what they were, some completely broken, jobs lost, trials of every kind from financial to health hits, everything, God. But you will restore and redeem everything that the enemy has taken and stolen. God, you are a redeemer, a restorer, a repairer. God, thank you. Thank you that you are everything we need. I praise you, God. You give us so much overcoming power. Just through your word alone, God, help us to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and tell these demons literally where to go by your word. Because we are children of the Most High God. So, God, I just pray you'd just give us strength, help us to seek your face and know what you desire for us to do, what your assignment is. Let us not take on our own assignment because of uh, a motivational, uh, emotional uh, surge in passion at the wrongs in this world, but to be used exactly as you have called us to be used, God. You know our books, so we seek you. You are the potter. We are the clay, God. So I just pray that over each one of us today that we would seek your face, God, because there's nothing you cannot do in the fruit of a life that is laid down to you, God. There's just nothing you can't do. You can use each of us in ways so far beyond our wildest imagination if it is just presented to you fully. So I ask, God, that you just do that. Move in each heart Encourage us today, God, that in the face of all of this rising darkness, God, we are the light of the world because of you, Lord Jesus. And let us be a light that gives hope to those who are lost and searching, as Greg said, and desperate for something to be better as things are squeezing more and more their lives. So I praise you, God. I just give you praise and worship for who you are, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.